Welcome back to the B2B Podcast Masterclass, the show that helps you launch and grow a successful business podcast. I'm Nathan Alibaba, and today I speak with Arielle Nissenblatt, a community marketer at Descript and one of the leading voices in the world on podcasting today. She's worked in the podcast space for about seven years. She's got a deep understanding of all sides of the podcasting landscape. Since she's managed podcast studios, she's worked as an in-app curator. She's gone to school for audio production, produced several shows of her own, and run successful PR and marketing campaigns to grow many, many shows. And we discuss everything from why business podcasting fails, the key principles for content creation, the importance of segmenting your show, and the important things to do to grip your audience from start to finish. If you're interested in any of that stuff, then you're going to absolutely love this conversation. So without any further ado, my conversation with Ariel Nissenblatt. Ariel, thanks for being on the show. Happy to be here. Super excited to meet you. Thank you very much for doing this. Let's talk a little bit about how we stand out because as you know, there are more and more podcasts that are entering this space. There are more and more businesses that are podcasting, a lot of them not very well. But how do you think about creating a distinctive podcast, one that stands out in the minds of your audiences? As you know, podcasting is becoming increasingly busy, especially on the, on the business side. How do you think about distinctiveness? I think a mistake that a lot of business podcasts make is that they have heard the word podcast and they think, you know, that would be a cool thing to try out for a quarter and see if we can turn a profit. You're not going to turn a profit in a quarter, number one. Number two, you can't just pop into the scene and hope that your your show is going to take off. It's and I mean that in a number of ways. It's not going to take off in terms of audience. It's not going to take off in terms of lead gen. It's going to be difficult. I think to back up a lot, a mistake that a lot of business folks make when they want to get into the podcast space is that they don't actually listen to other business podcasts. They don't also, they, they don't actually listen to other podcasts. They have just heard the word podcast. They get excited about that because it's buzzy and they think we should make a podcast. And it's not that you shouldn't make a podcast. Maybe you should make a podcast, but not every business lends itself to the same style of podcast where the CEO interviews people in the space and the conversations are riveting. They're, they're most likely not riveting. There's got to be a little bit more structure to them. So I think the mistake that a lot of people make is not being students of the craft before entering into the craft on their own by themselves. And I think that that can be remedied by becoming students of the craft by going to the Apple podcast charts, the Spotify charts, going to the categories that your podcast will eventually be situated in, listening to those shows, becoming students of those shows. What do you like that they do? What do you hate that they do? Find out where you're getting bored. Ask your, ask your colleagues, where are they getting bored? Where could we do better? What are we uniquely, what are we uniquely qualified to succeed at? And how can we make that into a show? And I think what I'm really getting at here is what are these shows doing that is not cutting it for you and what can you do that's different? What What is a unique approach to this business that's not just me sitting with a microphone chatting with other people about general topics related to this business? What What have you seen in business podcasting that has made you stop and go, actually, that's interesting. That's a little bit unique. I love the way yeah. they've done that. 
There's a few. There's one show called Homemade by Rocket Mortgage. And this is a brand that I am not in the market for a mortgage. But when I am eventually in the market for a mortgage, I know only them by name. And the reason they stand out to me, first of all, their podcast is not called the Rocket Mortgage Podcast. It's called Homemade because mortgages have to do with homes. So they've got a little bit of the connection there. But the podcast is about the concept of home. It's about story, it's stories around how people love their homes, the, the, the comfort that we feel when we're at home. One of the episodes, for example, is about this guy who, even though he lived in the path of a natural disaster, and he was being told to leave his home, and he said, nope, this is my home. And you know, Rocket Mortgage found this person to tell this story, and it's a beautiful story of how he worked his whole life to be in this home. He loves this home. He built up this home. It's where he raised his family. He's not going to leave this home. He's going to take the chance. And there's a clear connection between the, the riveting story that's being told and the point of a mortgage. <laughs> so they're, they're getting that brand recognition. They're getting that concept recognition in my head without hammering it into my head that this is a podcast from the CEO of Rocket Mortgage interviewing the person who is also in the business. That's boring. This is fascinating. We love stories. I was attached to my headphones the whole time. You know, I, I'm trying to think of a, a, a way to say I was attached to, I was gripping my seat. I wasn't gripping my seat <laughs> because it's not a movie, but what's the, what's the equivalent what's the there equivalent? of, of listening gripping to podcasts? Gripping your headphones. Yeah. I, I, my headphones, my and my earbuds were stuck in my ears, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, so I really liked that concept for the show. That's um, Rocket Mortgage. I thought that was great. Again, I've said the word Rocket Mortgage many times in the past few minutes. And now when you need a mortgage, that's probably what you're going to think of. Because what others do you know by name? In fact, I'm going to go check them out now while, you know <laughs> while I'm still speaking to you. Um, and then another really great example is one that's... So and I'll say this. I will. I will give you this. That's an expensive podcast to make. They hired some people who have been in the public radio space for a long time to voice the show, to research the show, to fact check the show. It's a great show, but it's expensive. If you want to make a show that's cheaper, but still really great, there's a show called Be The Way Forward. It's from, it's new. It's very new. Only two episodes out right now. It's by the folks from AnitaB.org, which is an organization dedicated to basically leveling the playing field when it comes to representation in technology, mostly for underrepresented groups. So they focus on women and girls, but it's all about getting people access to coding, getting people access to being leaders in technology. And they recently started a podcast called Be The Way Forward. And it's conversations not with people in the tech space per se, it's people it's conversations with people in spaces adjacent to the tech space. So their first guest was Bridget Todd, who has a podcast called There Are No Girls on the Internet. Bridget Todd herself is not a coder. Bridget Todd herself is not the CEO of a tech company, but she has thoughts on the general tech space, right? So that's going to be, she's an expert, right? So that's going to be a more interesting conversation to me as somebody who is adjacent to technology, adjacent to being interested in the mission of anita that's going to be more interesting for me than the CEO, Brenda Darden-Wilkerson, interviewing another CEO of another company that is complementary to anita.b.org. So I really like the, that approach as well. And also not to mention that their second episode, they got Janelle Monet, So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's 
actually pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. If you can get Janelle Monet on your episodes, I think you're doing. It's because Janelle Monet was at the Grace Hopper Festival in Orlando in September and happened to sit down with the CEO, with the host of this podcast. And it is an amazing episode that just came out this week. And yeah, so it's really great. I think what I hear you say is there are many different formats for podcasting, right? You can have a branded show and put a lot of production behind it. Uh, as the example that you shared with the home show, uh, Rocket Mortgage, that that name is, is stuck in my mind now forever. You said it like seven times. Um, you can definitely push the boat out and invest a lot in production and do that sort of storytelling show. A lot of business podcasts are more interview based. So one, uh, whether it's a CEO or whether it's someone internally is interviewing an external either client or prospect as a way of building a relationship with that prospect, um, fostering deeper connections, helping to build a community. There are a number of different reasons why these businesses are doing this. But even if you don't want to invest as much as Rocket Mortgage, there are still some principles and fundamentals here around storytelling, I'm hearing you say. There are still some fundamentals around vulnerability and being open and building a relationship with your audience. Talk about if you are going to use different formats for a podcast, what are the fundamental parts of building a successful podcast from a content point of view? Yeah. Should we be focusing on? Yeah. If you are a business and you are making a podcast and you are making an interview show, that can still be exciting. That can still be entertaining. First of all, the example that I gave about Be The Way Forward, that's an interview show. It's a great interview show because they're deviating a little bit from what you would think that they would do, which is chat with other thought leaders in the tech space. They are speaking with leaders. They are speaking with experts, but they're they're going a little bit outside of what you would think that they would do. So I think if you are having a chat show, there are a number of reasons. There are a number of reasons to have an interview show. Number one, you get to speak with people who are experts in the field who you might not get to have a sit down with otherwise. So that's a really great way to be in the room together, come up with ideas together, ideate, be seen together. That's great. Um, you know, it's also great for you as a business leader to say that you have a podcast. I said this before. Some people are enchanted by the word podcast because it's new. It's exciting. or It's not even that new, but it's still like, you know, everybody's got a podcast nowadays. Maybe we should try it out. I do think there's something to that because it shows that you're on the path to new media. It shows that you are progressive. You are moving forward with technology. Um, it also is a really great way for you to get your voice in front of your potential clients, your potential user base, whatever, whoever your constituents are. If people can have a direct line into who you are as a leader or to who your leadership team is, that's really great for just sentiment analysis. That's really great for people to just know the kind of vibes that you give off. I think that there are ways to make uh, an interview show exciting. The first thing that I like to recommend is segmenting your show and coming up with fun ways to name those segments. And that means, you know, not just popping on the mic, recording for 45 minutes and then recording a short interview uh, and then recording a short intro at the top and a short outro at the back and popping that on. But instead, you know, having your conversation, but breaking it up, right? So maybe the beginning of your show, let, let's give an example. Let's say you have a business about lighting technology and you own a warehouse that sells to the New York state area. 
and you want to interview other people in who are business leaders in the New York State area, business leaders in the lighting space. I don't know where this example is coming from, so please excuse me if some of my <laughs> examples within this example are off. But keep, we'll go. Keep going, we'll, we'll, keep see, going. we'll see what happens. I'm following. <laughs> um, yeah. So say you have this podcast. I, I maybe at the top of the show your your first segment is your light of inspiration, right? And so you have the the guest on the show give a maybe and maybe you put stipulations on it. Maybe you say, okay, for the first, welcome to the light of inspiration. My guest here is Mike Francis. Mike, give us your light of inspiration. You've got 60 seconds to tell something that's very exciting for you, whatever the situation is. So then we're getting excited. We know as the listeners that there is 60 seconds for you to, to give us a piece of wisdom. All right, now let's get into our chat. We call our chat the, um, whatever, maybe it's not branded. Maybe your chat is not branded, but the reason I like segmenting your shows like this is because over time, if you wanted to, you could say the light of inspiration is brought to us by, and then you could have a sponsor, right? Or in your, in your, in the meat of your show, the actual interview of your show, maybe there's even segmenting within that. Maybe you, you ask a few specific questions that, you know, you are going to ask of your guests every single time. Of course, they're going to differ here and there because you have different guests and they have different strengths. But for the most part, you can get your listeners to be excited to listen to a show week after week that they can predict what the segments are and then they can attach themselves to the segments. They can say, I really love the, the light of inspiration. This week's light of inspiration was really great for me. It was a really great way for me to just have an idea. And then you can come up with segments for those. I think that's a really great thing to do. There's a really great show that is new from the Podcast Academy called Podcast 360. And I would say the entire premise behind this show is that it is a segmented show. It It's very quick. It's 18 to 20 minute episodes, sometimes longer. Really, it's very to the point. The, the whole concept behind the show, it comes from the Podcast Academy, which is a relatively new organization that is international, that is trying to elevate the concept of podcasts and podcasting to the world. And it's a member, it's a member based network that I think you pay a hundred dollars, a hundred us dollars per year to join this. And it makes you eligible to vote for the Ambies, which is the podcast Academy's award ceremony that takes place usually in March. And it's really great. And they started a podcast just a few months ago called podcast 360. And so I would call this a branded podcast and what they do is the first ever episode was the host of the show, the always host of the show, interviewing somebody else. And then the next episode was that somebody else interviewing somebody else and then so on and so forth. So even within this show, there's a gimmick. We know that every single episode you're going to get somebody new. So you're not sticking around for the host. You're sticking around for the concept. And the concept is this. It's a 360 degree, it's a 360 degree view of the podcast industry. And even within that, what they do is they start off with three, two truths and a lie. They start off with two truths and a lie. So I went on, I was a guest and I gave three things about myself. One of them was a lie. And the person that was interviewing me guessed the lie. And then we go into chat about whatever it is in the podcast space. And she asked me three questions and I have 60 seconds to answer each of those questions. So that's a fun way for me to 
have to whittle down my knowledge of the space into 60 second increments. And I did hear some feedback from somebody who said that she wanted more. And I was like, you know what? Good news. You can go to Podchaser and you can search my name. And I've been interviewed on tons of different podcasts. So no worries there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then at the end of the show, the person that was interviewing me guesses the lie. So back to the two truths and a lie, guesses the lie. So it makes you want to stick around because you want to know what I was lying about. And I think that's a really well segmented branded show. Love that. Love that example. Give us one more. Is there another example that you can think of of a of some unique way of structuring a business podcast or any podcast that maybe is quite traditional? Yes. There's a podcast called The Productivity Show from Asian Efficiency, which is a there's a podcast called The Productivity Show. And I love it. I discovered it. I want to say a year and a half ago, because I am always striving to become more productive. I am not the most productive person in the world. (laughs) I do a lot. I am involved in a lot. And I, I am the first to say that I could be a lot more streamlined in how I go about things. So I've been listening to the show because they give really great tips. They will focus on notion, but not just notion, a specific thing within notion that can help you become more productive. So every episode starts with sort of like what I was saying for this lighting example, they have a guest on and that guest gives three quick resources that are that are helping them that week. So sometimes it's a book that they're listening to or reading. Sometimes it is just the concept of waking up and going for a walk. So, and sometimes it's a little bit more concrete. Sometimes it's like, this is a software that I downloaded that keeps track of my hours so that I know where I am losing time. And it's great. And then they go into the discussion of the week. Sometimes it's like, here's how to use LinkedIn to find potential clients. Or sometimes it's, here's how to use Notion to create a to-do list and then actually stick to that to-do list. And I think it's really great because I know exactly what I am expecting. I know what I'm going to get out of it. And every single episode, whether or not I try out some of these efficiency tactics or these productivity hacks I know that I'm at least exposed to them and I'm always going to get something out of it. And it feeds into their brand, which is called Asian efficiency and they're based in the Philippines and they are, they're productivity experts. So they have a lot of courses. They have a lot of classes that you can take to become more productive or to just really streamline your business. And I will not lie. I've been tempted to take those because their podcast is very, it's very well structured and it, really shows the value of what this business does. Absolutely love those examples. Let's talk a little bit about promotion, because this is something that we get asked a ton of questions about. Once you have great content and it's structured well and it's really interesting, you have to promote it. You can't just let it sit there and hope that people are going to find it. You have to promote it. So what have you found to be some of the best ways of promoting your show? Yeah, a lot of people make a show and think if you build it, they will come. And that's simply not true anymore. The concepts that I like to advise people on when it comes to growing your show, I have a few concepts. I have a few pieces of philosophy when it comes to podcast marketing or audience development growth. The first is that the only way to grow your show is to borrow audience from an existing show. And the reason for that is because it is very hard to convert non-listeners to becoming listeners. It is possible. There are people out there in the world who are ready to become podcast listeners, right? The right one falls in their inbox, the right one, they they come across it on a billboard, they see a QR code, they scan it. 
they could love that podcast so much that they then go and listen to five or six other podcasts. But for the most part, it is really hard to bring somebody who at this stage, this is 2023, a lot of us have heard the word podcast before. Right. Unless your commute changes or, you know, you have a, a shift in life where you're now driving six hours every Sunday to pick up your kids or whatever the situation may be, you're most likely, you know, you consume media the way you consume media. Sure. And the average quote unquote non-podcast listener is maybe listening to a show here or there because they like a concept or maybe they have a favorite creator. So they'll listen to that creator, but they don't consider themselves podcast listeners, right? I consider myself a podcast listener. I listen to five to seven hours of podcast every single day. That's a lot. I am not the norm. I am not the average. I fully recognize that. And I spend all of my days trying to figure out, trying to ask questions of people who are more to the, to the average, how they consume. So the only way to grow your podcast is to get in front of audiences that are similar to you. And this is where collaboration comes into play. So I always advise that people make a list of 50 to 75 shows in your general topic area. They could be beyond your general topic area. You can go out one more. Like if this is a web, go out to the next level of that web. Maybe it's people that are, if we're going back to the lighting example, let's first, maybe the first um, tier would be other lighting shows across the country. Maybe then you'd go to other businesses in the New York area because we established that this business was located in the New York area. Maybe then you go to um, entrepreneurs. Maybe then you go to, you know, you, you can come up with a right. number of different categories that you want to potentially collaborate with. And maybe you go to the energy sector. There's a number of ways to go about this. Um, maybe you go to interior design, right? Like, so all of these audio, all of these podcasts have listeners who might be interested in becoming your listeners. Sure. Right. And it's about so, doing the work to find out where your audience are. Yes. Yes. And there are ways to do this. And the first thing to do is to go to Apple and Spotify and to go to those categories and do some searching and do some listening and listen to a little bit and figure out, you know, where you, where you think you see some alignment. Um, the next thing you can do is go to a website called raphonic.com slash graph, and you can search for your podcast or you can search for podcasts that are similar to yours. And it'll pull up this web of podcasts that pulls from Apple data and figures out that the people who listen to this show, it's also likely that they listen to this show. The people who listen to this show, listen to this show. And you can then go about listening to those shows and figure out if there are, if there's synergy, if there is a reason for you to potentially be collaborating with those people, with those shows. So those are some of the tactics that I employ is, is identifying shows that make sense for you to be collaborating with and then reaching out to them to figure out what that collaboration could look like. I love the idea of podcast collaboration. How does that stack up against other ideas for promotion around newsletters, social media, video? I know YouTube are sort of leaning significantly into podcasts at the moment. Um, ratings and reviews, paid ads, cross... You know, there's there's so much that we can do. You sort of need to do it all. I hate to say it because there's not one playbook. Every podcast is going to grow in a different way. There's been 20 years of podcasts, but there's really only been 10 years where we've been analyzing what works and what doesn't work. And we really need to experiment with everything because you never know what is going to get your podcast in front of the right person who is going to then love it so much that they tell all their friends and it it leaves internet promotion and becomes a word of mouth recommended podcast. That's really the goal. 
Your podcast needs to get so your podcast needs to be perfect for the right person who then tells their aunt, who tells their friend, who tells this person, who tells that person. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about it. So that's that's the goal. But in order to get there, you got to be promoting on other podcasts. You got to be featured in podcast newsletters and newsletters in your niche. You've got to be pitching to podcast listening apps. Maybe you're buying ads. Maybe you're posting on social media. And the reason I say maybe we're buying ads and maybe you're posting on social media is because ads don't always work. They could work. They might cause a spike in downloads and then that spike might dissipate. And with social media, social media is great. It's good to have it is very hard to convert people who are scrolling on social media to becoming listeners. I think it's still important, especially if you're a brand, to be on social media and every once in a while to point people to your most recent interview or podcast episode, whatever your podcast is taking shape as. But it is not necessarily going to be the, the biggest driver of potential listeners. If, if you were to stack rank the options for promotion in terms of effectiveness, how would you stack rank them? I would be, I would put number one, um, collaborating, promo swaps, feed swaps, guesting on other shows, getting yourself or your podcast in front of other audiences that may be interested in your content. I would put that as number one. Some of your experiments are going to be more effective than others. What I mean by that is you might set up a promo swap with a show that does not convert for you or does not convert for you in large numbers. And then you might also set up a promo swap with a show that is simply perfect for you. And you're going to want to go back and cross promote with them 50 times in different ways. And then from there, I would go, um, I would look at newsletters. I think newsletters are really great. And a bunch of different podcast newsletters have opportunities for you to pitch yourself for free. Some of them have forms where you can really just submit your show. And then others have the ability for you to become familiar with what they're putting out and then pitching yourself in a way that makes sense and is reverent to the content that they put out in the past. Um, from there, I would go to pitching yourself to podcast apps. If you are able to get featured on Apple or Spotify, it could be huge for your show. It is very hard to get if you are not um, a big network, if you don't have existing relationships with a bunch of these listening apps. But if you can get featured in the business section or if there is some sort of carousel on CastBox or on Good Pods that is featuring business-related podcasts and you can get featured there, then people who are looking for business-related podcasts are ready to listen right then and there. That can be great. The reason I put it lower on the list is because it is just very hard to get and it's very hard to predict. I would not count on getting featured on podcast listening apps, but it can be great. Um, from there, I would probably say social media and then I would say paid ads. Hmm. What role does ratings and reviews play in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those sorts of places? Barely anything. Interesting. Yeah. my, I, A lot of people will say on podcasts, you know, this is a new show. Leave us a rating and review. It really helps us in the algorithm. And that's just not true. It has been debunked. Apple has a lot of helpful documentation on their website where they kind of dispel some of the myths. And one of those myths is that getting a ton of ratings and reviews when you first start is going to boost you in the algorithm. It's not. It's not a bad thing to have ratings and reviews, but it's not going to grow your show. What's going to grow your show, what's going to help you chart on Apple and Spotify is by getting a ton of subscribers, a ton of followers, a ton of listeners in a short period of time. So if you can ask your friends and family to do that, 
and leave you a rating and review, great. <laughs> the reason you want ratings and reviews is so that people can see that you have ratings and reviews, mm. right? It's not helping you grow in the algorithm. It's not It's not doing that. But it is It is letting people know you are not alone. Other people have discovered this before you. This is a good show. Yeah, it's, it's worth sticking around. That's or really it's good- such a shitty show, but that's what's exciting about it. <laughs> <laughs> what about, stick? just sticking with that point then, what about things like trailers? Um, what role do trailers play to convince skeptical people that, hey, actually it's worthwhile you spending some time on this podcast? So I think trailers are great, not necessarily for skeptical people, but for, for nurturing potential listeners. So if you have a show and every episode is on average 45 minutes long, that's a lot. That's a big time commitment for somebody to, to, to commit to. But if you have a trailer that is one minute, 90 seconds, whatever length you decide, that's a really great way to get people teased to know who you are, to know what the show is about. It gets them excited. It gets you. Uh, it's an on ramp for your podcast. And then they can decide they like you. They like your vibe. They're going to tune into the show. So I think trailers are great because they let us nurture our potential audience. What about playlists? I've, I've heard and I've seen a lot more podcasters produce playlists for new listeners to say, hey, if you're new yeah, here, you should start here. This is a great episode to listen to or chunking them in terms of categories or industries yeah. or whatever kind of subgenres. What what role does playlists play? If you have a, a huge back catalog, I absolutely recommend making a playlist and you can do that in a number of ways. You could have your website.com slash start here. So maybe these are your five episodes that are just perfect that you think that those are great for new people who are just getting the hang of your personality and what you're going after with your show. You could also on Spotify make playlists or on CastBox make playlists or on GoodPods you can make playlists. And you can share those on your website and you can embed a link to a lot of those. And that's a really great way to say, you know, if you are curious specifically about the the filaments within lighting, I, I've talked to a bunch of filament experts. I really don't even know if that's what it's called, please. <laughs> I hope it, that's what it's called. Right. Um, so yeah, you could be like um, thelightingpodcast.com slash filament and I've got my top 10 episodes about filaments. So Arielle, what makes a great business podcast? A lot of people, a lot of businesses want to start a podcast because they want to grow their business. They want to drive people to the website. They want to be seen as thought leaders in the space. I think what makes a great business podcast is defining what your goal is, choosing one goal and building your season around that. And that actually only answers the question from the perspective of the business. What makes a great podcast for a listener is figuring out what that listener wants to gain out of this experience. So as soon as you're able, survey your audience, survey your customer base, and figure out what they want to listen to. Figure out why you should be coming to them via audio, weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, whatever you decide your cadence is. What makes a great business podcast is serving your audience or your potential audience or your users or de- defining who it is that you want to reach via audio. And that could be maybe you're a software company. Maybe you want to reach potential users of this software. Maybe you want to reach business leaders in the software space. But defining what that is is very important. This is Influence is a production of Bridge Growth, the B2B podcasting agency for enterprise brands. I could not produce this show without our crack staff here at Bridge. 
Christoph Bwaszczek is our head of production. I'm Nathan Alibaba. You've been listening to This Is Influence. <laughs>